This is the official Caps Chirp Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I am back with another Monday episode. Thanks for bearing with me in the past couple weeks. Episode releases have been a little spotty. Been doing some traveling. Went up to Buffalo to check out the Caps game last weekend. Took a trip to Canada. Ate some all-dressed chips. They are beyond the hype. They're fucking amazing. They're the best chips I've ever had. Uh, Definitely, if you have a chance, buy them and eat them. Um... And now I'm back, so we're going to be doing two episodes a week. Obviously, if you're an OG here, love you, mean it. We're going to be doing the week in review for the Washington Capitals. And this episode, we're going to be talking a lot about what happened during the trade in the league at large. On Thursday, I've got Dan Holmey in to talk about what happened uh, for the Washington Capitals and what they look like moving forward. So uh, it's been it was a good conversation. You're you're definitely gonna like it, but it's a uh, lot to get through today. So let's pop some tabs and uh, get it going. One, two, three. All right. So this trade deadline was first of all absolutely fucking wild. We saw so many teams leverage an insane amount of their future. We're talking like draft picks into like 2025. Uh, we're on the table. He, Many three, probably the most three-team deals I've ever seen in a trade deadline for just salary cap retention. I mean, every team in the East seemed to be going for it, except for the Caps, uh, who were big sellers and probably saved everybody else a little bit of money, considering they had so much, uh, so many assets to leverage. Uh, probably diluted the market a little bit, but uh, no worries there. There were tons of buyers at every step of the game. Uh, for literally everything in the whole fucking league, it, this it, so many hockey trades, which is great. You know, it's exciting. Um, but I will say that the complexion of the NHL has definitely changed uh, after this shitstorm of a trade deadline. So I'm only going to cover like what I thought the big ones were, and the ones that I hadn't covered in a couple in the past couple weeks. So like we knew O'Reilly, Tarasenko. Uh, you know, we knew those trades were going, though those are already done. So here's what's kind of transgressed in the past couple of weeks. Uh, and I'm going to rapid fire them. Uh, so forgive me if I'm a little wrong, but I had to transpose all this stuff into an outline um, and try to make it as quick as possible. But here we go. Um, and this is kind of like from the most recent down to like the past couple of weeks. So anyways, first thing, Klingberg to the wild. Uh from the Ducks in exchange for Schuster, rights to Nesterenko and a fourth rounder in 2025. I really like Jonathan Klingberg. Um, I, I just, you know, injuries, he's definitely an offensive defenseman, things like that. Uh, I thought he would have had, he would look good last year on the Washington Capitals team, but uh, glad to see that he's moving on from the basement dwelling. Ducks. So we'll see what see what happens there. He's definitely a guy who's like about to hit his prime or is in his prime now. So uh, we'll see what goes down with him uh, and and if his next contract's big or not. The Flames got Troy Stetcher and Nick Ritchie from the Yotes in exchange for D-Man Connor Mackey and Brett Ritchie, a bro for bro trade. Um, only mentioning this in here because of that. Honestly, I mean these players are are pretty good players, but. Uh, 
it seemed like it was just kind of a change, like a, a vibe check change for both of these teams. Schittsburg got Kulikov from the Ducks exchange for Brock McGinn and a third in 2024. Keep selling those assets, Pittsburgh. You'll definitely win four cups in this year alone. They also got Nick Benino again from the Sharks in a three-team trade that included the Habs, San Jose, Nets, D-Man, um, Henriksen, a conditional fifth in 2024 and a seventh in 2023 from Pittsburgh. The Habs get D-Man, Tony Sund, and a fifth in 2024 from San Jose as they're eating half of Benina's salary. Um, finally, I'm sorry, from the Habs are eating half Benina's salary. Anyways, finally, they also got Granlin from the Preds for a second in 2023, about five years too late. Uh, so, I mean, they were in on him when he went uh, to the Predators. So, phew, I don't know. Just recently, an article came out and said Hextall thinks that the Pittsburgh Penguins can absolutely win a cup this year. I don't know. I don't buy it, but. I'll let you make that decision. The Sabres got Jordan Greenway from the Wild in exchange for a second in 2023 and a fifth in 2024. I think this is a big pickup for the Sabres. Jordan Greenway is a gritty and he finds the back of the net. The Sabres really didn't pay that dearly for him either. They're obviously trying to make the playoffs. Like they're 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 looking for a push. I could see Jordan Greenway. Uh, signing for term with this team, so and and the Sabers should. I mean, they need a little bit more grit, um, and and this guy kind of fills that power forward role. I like Jordan Greenway. I think he's going to do good in, in Buffalo. I thought he did good in Minnesota. <clears throat> the Philadelphia Flyers uh, wanted in on the action, so they got Brendan Lemieux and a fifth in twenty twenty four from L A. in exchange for Zach McEwen. And, and I guess that's it. Poverty franchise in Philly. Um, very fitting that Brendan Lemieux is with them now. Um, dumb. Okay. Devils got Curtis Lazar from the Canucks in exchange for a fourth rounder in 2024. The Blues acquired Jacob Verana, ex-cap Jacob Verana, from the Wings in exchange for Dylan McLaughlin and a seventh in 2025. I really hope that the worst is over for Verana and that he has a great time in St. Louis and lights and continues to light it up. Uh, that trade between us and Detroit with Mantha for Verana has just been shitty both ways, right? Verana got injured. He was doing really well. Mantha in the onset was doing really well and has been the invisible man for the past couple weeks or couple months, really, uh, almost the entirety of this season after being one of the better players coming in. I, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with Anthony Mantha. I don't know if it's like he doesn't like it here or if there's just some mental block. But unfortunately, we were un as of right now, we're unable to turn Anthony Mantha into any assets on the trade block, and we're unable to turn his attitude around or his performance, at least his his performance around, um, as sort of a like reclamation project. The ceiling's high for this guy, but. Um, you know, it just hasn't hadn't come come to fruition yet. So uh, we'll see what happens there in the off season if if he gets moved or or if we're just continuing uh, on with him. The stars are loading up with who are quietly good in the West. You know, uh, had Young Griff or Griffin Youngs on last week, and he talked about how the Avs are the only real team in the Pacific. 
kind of agree, but the Stars have been good all year. They definitely think that they're going to go deep into the playoffs. Um, and I've got to agree. I mean, I think they probably will too. They, they look like one of the stronger teams in the West, even though it seems like the East and the West are two different leagues with the East being just so much better. Um, but they loaded up with Max Domi and Golan Dylan Wells from Chicago in exchange for goalie Anton Kadobin and a second in 2025. I think that's a pretty good turnaround. You know, I don't know who this Dylan Wells guy is from Chicago, but um you know, I mean, Kadobin's a, a solid goalie, has been getting reps with him, but, uh, you know, uh, that in a second for a player like Domi, hey, you know, we'll, the, I, they'll take it, obviously. We'll see how it plays out in the playoffs. They also picked up Evgeny Dadanov from the Habs for Denis Gurionov. Now, I thought Gurionov was one of their kind of up-and-comers. Uh, apparently, they're trying to rush the performance of the team or at least accelerate it in some way, shape, or form, which is why they made this move. Um, Dadanov still has that scoring touch. He's he's a solid player when put in the right position. So um, it looks like the, the Stars saw some shortcomings in their forward core and wanted to add a little depth, which they definitely did. Jonathan Quick, a conditional first round in 2023 and a third in 2024 was traded to Columbus for Vladislav Gavrikov. Again, that's a young guy that showed a lot of promise for Columbus, but I guess not enough. And their goalie, Corpusalo, who is kind of splitting time with whoever the other goalie is in Columbus. A day later, Columbus flipped quick to Vegas for goalie Michael Hutchinson and a seventh rounder in 2025. So Columbus... At the end of the day, Columbus gets a new Tendi in Hutchinson and picks up picks, but gave up Gavrikov, one of their promising young demon. So uh, that sucks. For, I mean, who knows? Uh, it looks like Columbus realizes that they're nowhere near close, which they aren't, um, even though they did pick up, you know, those two powerhouse forwards and um, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Johnny Gaudreau. They just don't have enough pieces to build around them, but that's what they're trying to do with this draft. The Knights also got Teddy Bluger from the Pens for D-Man, D-Liberator, D-Liberator, and a third in 2024. Vegas also got Ivan Barbashev from the Blues in exchange for Zach Dean. The Yotes took Jagger Voracek and a second and a sixth in 2023 from Columbus for goaltender John Gillies. This is a money move, but Columbus is going to have a competitive goalie pool at camp next year and picks on picks on picks for a couple of years. So, hey, you know, for a team that's seemingly got no other option and is kind of tanking for Bedard, you know, you add Connor Bedard to this, you have a competitive goaltending pool, and then you have picks to build around it. It's not a bad look if it works out. Even if it doesn't work out, they definitely have have netted enough picks to give them a little bit of a boost, at least in the next couple of years. Boston loading up again. I mean, man, how the fuck do they even have room left? Um, loading up again with Tyler Bertuzzi from Detroit in exchange for a conditional first in 2024 and a fourth in 2025. Sweeney looks to be filling the gap left by Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno's injuries. I, I don't know. I mean... They're, they're playing the IR game, definitely. I mean, if Taylor Hall or if any of those guys come back during the playoffs, like, it, they sh- on paper, they should just award the Bruins the cup. If anybody beats the Bruins this year in the playoffs, the Bruins should just fold. 
I don't know. I mean, they're they so in and they have such a stacked team and they even got even better through the trade deadline. So if I'm management, if I'm Don Sweeney, I'm absolutely doing all that I can for this year because it's obviously special. Um, but if they don't get a cut, man, I would be highly disappointed both as a player, a fan, and in management in the front office. The Sharks took Nemestikov from Tampa for forward Michael Essimont. I don't know who that is. Who knows? The Sens did get Chikrin in in exchange for a first in 2023, a second in 2024, and a second in 2026. Again, that's another team really banking on Bedard, Bedard, and uh, also building up the contingency plan in which they don't get, uh, you know, a killer draft pick this season. They are stacking them for the next few years, which not only gives them leverage to trade, uh, but also they'll just see those picks through uh, and 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 continue to build through the draft. The Canes acquired Gostabir from the Yotes in exchange for a third in 2026. They also got forward uh, Pugliarvi from the Oilers in exchange for the rights to unsigned draft choice Patrick uh, Puistola. He must be stuck somewhere overseas and and unwilling to come through, so who knows what's going to happen with him. The Rangers ended up getting Patrick Kane and in that deal got D-man Cooper Zek from the Hawks in a three-team trade that included the Yotes. Again, the Yotes, the Wild, ATMs for the for the NHL apparently this uh, this deadline. The Hawks received D-man Andy Walensky, a conditional second in 2023, a fourth in 2025 from the Rangers and D-man Vili Sarajarvi from the Yotes. The Yotes got a third rounder in 2025. The Hawks retained 50% of Kane's salary and Zona took 25%. And that is how they made the money work. Nyquist to the Wild in exchange for a fifth in 2023. Uh, you know, Nyquist still has some 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 tread on the tires, I feel like. So not a bad, I mean, a fifth in 2023. I know this draft cast is strong, but like a fifth rounder, it's nothing, right? It's an AHL or at best. The Edmonton Oilers got a game changer in Ekholm and a sixth in 2024 from the Preds in exchange for Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer, and a first in 2023 and a fourth in 2024. That's a team that is, I guess, I mean, they just think that they are, and, and they should think that they are going to go places, but uh, definitely had woes on the blue line that they needed to fill, and this is the guy to do it. Um this is obviously they have all of the potential in the world up front. They have tons of things to build around um, when, when it comes to the Oilers offense, but their defense was just kind of like, I don't know, what are you going to build around nurse? Um, now they have a bona fide number one shutdown guy who can also contribute up front. I mean, one of the top defensemen in the league, interesting stuff. If they don't go far this season, which they probably won't in true Oilers fashion, uh, I definitely see them building around this at home guy. Leafs took Luke Shin from the Canucks for a third rounder in 2023. Tampa Bay keeping the dream alive with Tanner Janot from the Preds in exchange for Cal Foot, a conditional first in 2025, a second in 2024, and three, four, and five in 2023. What a bad... 
What a bag of draft picks from Tampa Bay. They clearly don't give a fuck. They're they're in absolute they're in, you know, caps territory here with who gives a shit about picks previous to this deadline. Um wow. I mean, five draft picks and a player? I mean, the conditional first in 2025, I don't know the details on that, I'll be honest. Uh, it could just be like you don't get you only get it if uh, we win the cup or something like that. Uh, Devils got Timo Meyer and, and this one, oh my God, this trade's going to have your head fucking spinning. All right, the Devils got Timo Meyer and Timur, 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 Ibragimov, D-Man, Harrington, and Hataka, goalie Zach Edmond, and a fifth in 2024 from San Jose in exchange for Zetterland, Andreas Johnson, D-Man, Sharker, Mukamadulin, and Nikita Okotoik, and a conditional first in 2023, a conditional second in 2024, and a seventh in 2024. So sorry for absolutely butchering those names. Um, I would have, you know, the names aside, those are those are complicated enough for me to say. Uh, but I would have gotten fleeced trying to organize this trade on either side uh, because I would have been so confused at how many things I was giving up or taking for Timo Meyer, right? I mean, this is the whole, he was the centerpiece of this trade, but man, uh, talk about the 3D chess that these two GMs had to play to make sure things were quote-unquote fair and agreeable on both sides. Avs got Jack Johnson for D-Man England from the Hawks. Just throwing that in there because Jack Johnson keeping the dream alive. Jets get Nino Niederreiter from the Preds in exchange for a second in 2024. Uh, Nino Niederreiter, previously of the Carolina Hurricanes, was a really good player. You know, I don't know uh, how he's doing with the Preds, but uh, I believe he lit us up when we played Nashville uh, this season. <clears throat> Still a solid player, aging a little bit, but uh, a second in 2024 is not a bad thing to give up for the Jets, who've always seemed to be like a good team, but not a team that does anything in the playoffs, even though they have these pieces like Ehlers and Blake Wheeler and all these all these guys up up there. <clears throat> Random news, and this is the non the only non-trade league news that I have for you, is Mark Giordano broke the record for block shots with his 2045th block shot against the Kraken. That is absolutely wild. That's so many shots to be blown, to be to be blocked against uh, for a long, illustrious career for Mark. GR Dono. Whoa. All right. I got that done in like 20 minutes. So it was pretty good. Guys, uh, you know, last thing to say about the trade deadline. All ho- a lot of hockey trades. A lot of teams absolutely selling the boat and selling the farm in draft picks for the future. A lot of third teams being involved just to retain salary. Uh, I think this is an indication that so many teams think that they're in it. Uh, you know, including Pittsburgh. I mean, including teams that aren't even in it right now that are that are outside looking in. So many teams think that they're ready uh, to make a push and they're buying. Um, so, you know, I guess it was a bit of a seller's market this year. Uh, you get some return and the Washington Capitals absolutely did. I think Brian McClellan did a masterful job of returning assets on players that were that are straight up rentals. 
but <clears throat> you know, I mean, it it if you're gonna take anything away from like what does all this mean? It means that uh, to me, it means that a lot of teams think that they got a lot of potential to go and win a Stanley Cup this year, and with the extra kind of juice that Bedard adds and this dr- strong draft class adds. It just added fuel to the fire as to like what the value of those draft picks are, um, especially in 2023. Another interesting thing is that saw a lot of teams leveraging not just 2023 picks, but kind of sh- saving them and going for like the next five years. We saw picks out for three years from now. 2026 was was uh, was picks being thrown around. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you plan for that shit, but wow. I mean, three years out, giving up picks that are that are three years old. So again, you know, just a, a very interesting trade deadline. I, I feel like I've been saying this the past few years, but like st- since I've been doing this podcast, I would say this is the most. I've got to say this is probably the the most exciting and crazy trade deadline that that I've been covering. So there it is. Speaking of covering. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Download Download the app now. And sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. All right. Let's talk about the Washington Capitals, huh? In today's Washington Wraparound. All right, I did not cover the trades that Brian McClellan did in the main group, covering them all here. We did move Lars Eller, linchpin of the Stanley Cup, bittersweet, to the Avalanche, who are, you know, the strongest team in the West probably right now, for a second in 2025. All you shitbirds out there saying that Lars Eller wasn't worth shit, wasn't, you know, he's a shitty player, you know, he's such a, you know, he's bad, he'd trade him. Look at the return that Brian McClellan got from the top team or one of the most competitive teams in the Western Conference trying to make a push right now, a second in 2025. That's a a strong return for a third-line center. I like it. Mojo to Minnesota for a third in 2024, you know, that's, I think that like so many times have we got, I mean, we've, the second time we've had to get rid of Marcus Johansson, uh, it's bittersweet. I, I think he too was kind of an odd man out. Uh, and I don't think the Washington Capitals had really true intentions of re-signing him again um, after kind of extending him for, you know, whatever they were last, last season. So, you know, good luck to Mojo. Hope, hopefully he does well. You know, this guy has had a, semi-journeyman career and I think that really just speaks to the caliber of player that he is that teams feel comfortable just picking him up and having him add to the team nobody trades for garbage you know what I mean um so they're trying to get better 
the wild art and uh you know margaret johansson back in we got sandine from the leafs in exchange for gustafson in a first in 20 in 2023 which was boston's first might as well be a second depending on how they end uh the season but you know uh got instantly younger a little bit undersized but sandine the the scouting report on him is he's a puck moving offensive defenseman who also is responsible in his own zone so that's a good thing let's talk about the games last week uh in anaheim we're in the midst of our west coast trip and in anaheim we, you know, played the basement dwelling ducks and it was a back and forth game. The Caps were about to get goalied by uh, Gibson there, but they were able to answer every goal after Faviari open scoring. St. Thomas carried the scoring as well, which included the overtime game winner. This is uh, two days before the trade deadline, so I'm sure the room was a bit chaotic, but at the end of the day, this is a game against a basement dwelling ducks team. Um, and we came out with an OT win, you know, not our greatest performance, but was able to gut it out and make sure that we got two points, which we desperately need if we're going to try to make the playoffs. Um, I definitely think the Washington Capitals aren't management is not in tank for Bedard mode, especially because a 3.5% chance, which is really what we have right now to get Bedard is almost nothing. Um, it's, it's it's not really worth i guess in their in their eyes to try to dip lower even at the point total that we have right now we likely wouldn't get like a the highest percentage of return on bedard so you know it might go up to you know a couple percentage points but is that worth missing the playoffs and getting more reps for our young guys i, I don't know um probably not considering the low, 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 low chance that we would have at him. One thing I do want to say is Trevor Zegers is such a fucking punk, man. Uh, the tongue wagging after his goal that tied it up. I just want to see that dude get rocked every game. Just like not hurt, not hurt or anything, but absolutely abused, embarrassed and abused at every step of the way. Um, just on ice, he's just such a fucker. Uh, off ice, he seems like a pretty cool dude. I mean, to be completely honest, um, you know, all these, and then of course I have to like him when it comes to international play because he is, uh, an American boy. So love him. But man, when we play against him, I hate this fucking kid. Uh, such a little showboater, pussy motherfucker. All right. That, that's enough about Trevor's egress, but, um, let, let, uh, let's move on to San Jose. So we get, we get two points out of Anaheim. That's great. Uh, should have gotten it honestly we go to another basement dwelling team in san jose we have uh the trade deadline is passed sandine uh gets his visa shit worked out he's with the team and we absolutely come out the gates like shit absolute dog shit first it saw the caps look flustered against a team that's actually worse than the last team they played against the ducks and San Jose was able to expose this barely noticeable Caps team for two goals in the first. The Caps obviously go to the locker room feeling a little bit bad about themselves, as I would too. Uh, but 
figure it out in the second, and it's a totally different team in the second period. Caps dominated this frame and dropped in four goals, two from the newcomer veteran Craig Smith, one from uh, NAK, Nicholas Abe-Kubel, finally getting some love and finishing a chance, and also a goal from veteran Matt Irwin. Yeah, you heard that right. Matt Irwin buried one in this middle frame. This game should have started as a slaughter from the get-go, or at least like the Caps being in complete control. Uh, uh, but because San Jose is literally like the third worst team, is the third worst team in the league. Glad to see it turn around. Caps up four to two going into the third. Caps continue to largely control play until Kevin LeBlanc knees Iorio. Uh, Vinny Orio, who is called up from Hershey, which drew Alexiev, his defensive partner, also kind of been a black diamond all season. Um, a guy from Hershey who played with him as his defensive partner um, into the offending player with some cross checks and, and extracurricular physicality. I love it. I love to see Alexiev standing up, a bigger man standing up for his uh, for his defensive partner. Whether it was an accident or not, it was a bad knee to knee. Orio went flying. And, um, you know, uh, it could be looked at as a bit of a cheap shot. In any case, I just, I love to see that camaraderie already. Uh, probably a carryover from their time at Hershey, but still, got to stand up for your teammates. And, and I, I love to see that from the big man, Alexiev. <clears throat> After this, uh, LeBlanc or whatever was the only player who got the two minutes for the initial kneeing penalty. And, you know, honestly, Alexiev just came in and cross-checked him a couple times. He didn't punch him in the head. He didn't, like, take him out. He just shoved him a few times. But after hearing this, I had, well, after seeing that, I had thought they were going to even it out. And, hey, you know what? That's fine if they even it out. We're up a couple goals. Uh, and I think that it really just showed a lot of, like, uh, a lot of character from Alexiev. So I was willing to take that just even break. But they actually gave just the San Jose player the two-minute minor. And this sent David Quinn off the fucking earth. He, flew, he just absolutely blew a gasket. Uh, ended up being ejected from the game with no unsportsmanlike. You know, usually the ref will threaten to call a bench minor on you and then you're down two men. The ref showed some mercy because all I could see David Quinn and his baby blue eyes uh, yelling repeatedly, screaming, fuck you, fuck you, pointing at the ref, fuck you. Absolutely hilarious. I love hockey. This is this is the one of the exact reasons that hockey is amazing. You get to see a coach literally tell the ref, fuck you, as loud as he can, and point and be angry, and then just get kicked out, and the game just keeps going. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, Oshbabe immediately buried a goal on an OV rebound in the ensuing power play. Then San Jose answered shortly after as uh, Iorio blew a tire and Stern blasted one past Kemper. It was a nice shot. Uh, and then it was a fortunate play for San Jose, having that defenseman kind of eat shit at the blue line. And then Alexiev had to split, was caught in no man's land trying to recover. Seconds after that, though, you know, San Jose is like, yeah, we got life. Seconds, literally nine seconds after that, OV flew one far side low on Kakinen. Fuck yeah. That's it. goal number 814. And then later in the game, a few minutes later, he scored off a nice play where Iorio... Uh, took the puck in, got a shot on, retrieved his rebound, and then dished Ovi in front. Uh, that play was really all Vinny there. A um, little bit of a redemption after letting up that goal uh, 
a couple goals ago uh, by eating it on the blue line. And that's number 814 and 815 for Alexander Ovechkin. So it's a double win against one of the worst teams in the league. It's a good thing. The Caps are still trying. You know, I love to see that. Um, I want the Caps to have Bedard as much as the next fan. But intentionally tanking to me just seems, in Polly Cupcake's uh, words, so dishonorable. You know, it just seems gross. You don't really want to do that. Um, you know, intentionally mailing it in, just come on. You guys are making millions of dollars. You know, I get that this is your livelihood and stuff, but like, you know, let's let's give it a little bit more. Lots of firsts in this game, though. First, Craig Smith, uh, Gino, and then first multi-goal game in the red, white, and blue. That's great. Uh, do I think that this is going to happen every game? Probably not. But you get Craig Smith in open ice, and uh, he can bury. He, showed, he scored two different ways. Scored from outside on a shot. Uh, just nice feed, time and space, good shot. And then scored by crashing the net, kind of catching the puck on the stick in between his hands. It was initially waved off as the ref thought he punched it in the net with his glove, but that was not the case. Hit his stick and uh, two goals uh, on the night for Craig Smith. Lots, lots, I love to, love to see it. Two assists from, from Gabriel Carlson, three from Sandin, and one primary from Iorio on that Ovi goal. You know, this is great stuff. Great stuff from the young guys. Very encouraging. Um, but, you know, here's the negative. The Caps were still outshot by double digits, so giving up 40-plus shots a game is not sustainable. Um, you know, uh, on the other hand, the positive, a very solid riding of the ship after a horrendous first period. All this to say, very encouraging look at our new guys who may or may not be in the lineup as the season ends um, and and have been a bit hidden in the system in Hershey by Brian McClellan. So, yes, it's one game, and at times you could tell the young guys were making like inexperienced plays and, and were a little inconsistent, um, but at least it wasn't 60 minutes like the first period, right? In fact, it was much better, a huge turnaround. Um, love to see the youth kind of getting getting their apples. And, um, you know, I, I liked it. Uh, one game in, I'm happy. I like this Sandine kid. Uh, he's small. He's small. And, you know, I understand that, you know, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of fight in the dog, uh, the size of the fight in the dog or whatever. But I, I don't. It's the NHL. If, if you're going to get bulldozed by a guy who's a foot taller and 100 pounds heavier than you, you're, it's just, it's just going to happen. Um, so I'll be interested to see how sturdy he is throughout the um, throughout a full season and, 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 and down the stretch. But you also look at guys like Connor Sherry, who's had very successful careers, though Connor is a forward. And um, the Sanding guy's a, a, a defenseman. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Initial thoughts are good, though. And this takes me to, like, this 3D chess high-level thinking that Brian McClellan's been doing. Like, what if he knew these guys were ready? He's been deft at hiding players like TVR during the Seattle expansion draft. And, you know, he knew that these contracts were expiring. It may have been by design. He knew that this was going to be a, a very um, tough offseason. He knew that last season. I mean, he referenced it in an interview this season, and then he, he referenced it 
last season when he was like, I wanted the flexibility. That's why no extensions came last season for a lot of these guys. They, they were going to take it up to the edge and see what happened. You know, the draft, he, he, he may not have known completely about Bedard, but obviously people have been talking about him for years now. Um, you know, I really, I, I always say that, like, I, I really give these guys, these, these general managers, these people who are involved in the league, um, a, the, a bigger leash and a much more of a benefit of the doubt because they have so much more information, uh, both anecdotally and factual from their, the, just the nature of being connected and having access to that information that we don't. So, you know, I think anybody who's kind of shitting on Brian McClellan really just needs to shut the fuck up. I mean, he's done everything he can for, with, with what he's got. He's always had a cap strap team and, um, you know, he's, he's been really good. So looking forward caps fans next week, Monday, the sixth, the LA Kings at LA at 10 30. Then we're coming back home to play New Jersey on the ninth at 7 PM. And then Saturday we're going to long Island to play seven 30 huge week. All of these teams playoff teams. If we can steal Two, uh, two points and a four-point swing against Long Island. That would be huge. If we can beat New Jersey, also kind of a good litmus test. But the first test is definitely going to be L.A. This is a West Coast uh, a West Coast team who's second in their division, I believe, right now. And they are they're pretty good. Uh, they're a pretty good team. They play physically. They play good defense. They have a lot of offensive firepower that doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, you know, Kempe, Kopitar, um, they've, 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 they can do some damage. Now, do I put them on par with New Jersey? No. But at the same time, you know, even if they're a playoff team, whether they're a playoff light team, um, you know, it's 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 going to be a very good benchmarking phase for the or benchmarking test for the Washington Capitals. So look out for that. That's going to be today as you're listening to this on Monday. So um, what are my thoughts on the record? I think we're going to go one and two. I think we're going to lose two games and I think we're going to maybe win one. I'd like to see us win one against the Islanders. Uh, so one and two. There it is. I think I think LA beats us and I think New Jersey beats us. And it's very concerned. I'm being intentionally conservative to put that karma out there. I can't be jinxing the Washington Capitals down the stretch at such a pivotal time. All right, Caps fans. Thanks a lot. It's been a kind of a long episode. Try to talk fast, try to get things through as quickly as possible. Until Thursday. Please tune in. Got Dan Holmey on. We're going to talk more caps, talk about what has transpired in the trade deadline and uh, how things are going to look moving forward. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with me uh, for the past couple weeks. And uh, love you, mean it. Hockey Troll, signing off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Troll podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at... Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.